Welcome back to the Jubilee Plus podcast and to today's seminar called A Safe Home. I'm Abby Thomas and today we're going to hear about creative ways that churches can provide safe and nurturing homes to people in need. We'll hear from Tom Bright, Helen Hodgson, Kate Doran-Smith and Rob Lydiard, all experts in their fields. And this seminar is introduced by Rachel Wilson from Jubilee Plus. Hello and welcome to this short seminar stream exploring what it looks like to offer people a safe, nurturing, welcoming, supportive home. Psalm 68 instructs us to praise, to worship, to lift up our soul to God. Why? The first reason the psalmist gives in verse 5 is because he is father to the fatherless and protector of widows. Because he settles the solitary, the lonely, the isolated the vulnerable, the marginalised, inside families. This is a vision that's close to God's heart, one that comes from his very character. And that reality is a good reason for us to worship him and also to increasingly reflect him. We're going to begin today by hearing from Tom Bright, who's joining us from Home for Good and sharing the story of Jay. Through exploring the solitary story of this one little boy, she shines a light on the life stories of many, many more like him in need of safety, security and belonging. Let's hear from Tom. When you were young, what did you want to be when you were a grown up? A doctor, a hairdresser, maybe an astronaut? Perhaps you were less career minded like me, but had things you wanted to learn and explore and do. Maybe you wanted to travel. Maybe you wanted to live with friends or own a dog. I was desperate for a dog. I wonder who was around you as you journeyed through your teenage years and towards adulthood. Who cheered you on to pursue your dreams? Who helped you navigate the details and practicalities? Who was there for you when things didn't go to plan? Well, I want to introduce to you Jay. Now, when Jay was little, he loved to play with toy cars. He built tracks for the really fast ones and had a special place on his bedside table for the ones that were more looking at. Jay came into care when he was just six. And unfortunately, it was decided quite quickly that it wouldn't be safe for Jay to return home to his birth family. And an adoptive family was found for Jay's little brother. But because he was already in primary school, Jay was deemed unadoptable. He went to live with Gerard and Marie first, just for a few nights until a longer term solution could be found. And then he lived with Amos for a few years, but Amos felt he was getting too old to keep up with Jay. And he ran as he ran between school and football and trips to visit his brother. It was hard work. So Jay packed his bags again. And the next home was with Caroline and Naveed and they were nice. But the house was in a different city. So Jay had to start at a new school and make new friends. And he'd been one of the most valuable players in his old football team, but suddenly didn't know who his teammates were. And they weren't able to look after him for very long. And so at 11, he moved again. And then again at 14. And on it goes. And it reached a point where Jay stopped believing he'd ever find somewhere to stay put. Every 15 minutes in the UK, a child like Jay will come into care. The reasons why they can't stay at home with their birth family are vast and varied. But what these children have in common is that they've all experienced the trauma of separation and loss. Each and every one of these children needs and deserves a home that's stable, 
whether it's just for a short period before returning back to their birth families, or they spend the rest of their childhood in care or go on to be adopted. Each and every child needs and deserves to know that they're welcome and that they belong and that they are safe. Right now, there's a desperate shortage of foster carers in the UK. And that means that children are experiencing multiple moves in short spaces of time, such instability and uncertainty. There are children and young people who are having to move miles from all that's familiar to them because that's how close the nearest available foster home is. There are brothers and sisters who are having to be separated, living apart, just because there aren't enough carers who can look after them together. Right now, there are children whom adoption has been deemed the right decision, but are waiting too long for the right family to be found for them. Children who are black, who have a disability, who are over the age of four, yes, over the age of four is deemed too old for adoption. Or they're part of a sibling group. These are among those who are waiting 18 months or more for a family. There's injustice here. Right now, one in four teenagers in care are over the age of 16. I often have to repeat that statistic to myself to help process it, one in four. 25% of children in care are teenagers over the age of 16. And yet there are limited options for these precious young people. You see, what they need is support and encouragement, yet all too often they're being placed in accommodation that's entirely unsuitable. Bedsits, B&Bs, caravans, even tents, and with no primary caregiver. At Home for Good, we believe that these children and young people deserve better, which is why we have a bold vision to find a home for every child who needs one in the UK through fostering, adoption and supported lodgings for teenagers. And we believe, of course, that the church has a crucial role to play. There are over 50,000 churches in the UK. In every village, town, city in the country, these churches, big, small and in between, are filled with people who want to follow the example of Jesus, seeking justice, showing compassion and practising hospitality. When we read the Bible, it's impossible to ignore the fact that there is an issue close to God's own heart here. Psalm 68 tells us, that God sets the lonely in families. And please let us not think that this is a rescue narrative for children being placed in our solid family. No, you see, I was one of the lonely ones. Tarn Bright was deeply yearning for family. And my two adopted boys saw God place me with them and we created family. That's what it means by God placing the lonely in families. And it's seeing how this all played out in my own life and the life of my precious children that has led me to give all I have, which is about finding homes for every child who needs one and seeing what God means by placing the lonely in families. Home for Good inspires and equips individuals couples and families and churches across the country to play their part, to ensure that every child experiences the stability, care and sense of belonging they deserve. Through our resources, content and training packages, 
We practically equip individuals and families as they explore fostering, adoption and supported lodgings for teenagers. We mobilise churches and, and encourage them to welcome in a different way, understanding and supporting families who love and raise children with lived experience of care. And as a result of that, carry with them the legacy of trauma. Children's work therefore needs to look a bit different. At Home for Good, we describe ourselves as an organisation who journey. And what we mean by this often used word is that we recognise that between the first moment of inspiration and the moment wherein a child or young person enters your home, this is a path that can be long and winding and will have challenges as well as joys. This path will look different for every person and every family. We also recognise that the path doesn't end at the point of placement. Rather, my goodness, the journey just continues. Home for Good seek to be present and available to everybody on whatever step of the journey you're on. We want to be there at the initial moment of maybe we could do this with answers to initial questions and introductory information. As people continue to explore, we're there with our online information sessions, foundations courses, and we have a brilliant team of peer support volunteers who are ready to connect and share experience and advice from the real world, having journeyed it themselves. We strive to see more churches ready to welcome and support families within that community who love and raise care experienced children. And as I've just said, children's work needs to look a bit different. Having understanding adults as a collective needs to be in place. We want to equip and resource churches at large with knowledge and understanding. For Rosie and Dave, for example, a couple that journeyed with Home for Good recently, it looked like this. They heard a Home for Good speaker who shared with them the need in their local area and inspired them to consider what part they could play. Well, a few years later, they felt ready to take a big step and they began the process to become adoptive parents. But they realised they didn't really know where to begin. They weren't sure who to call. The number of agencies when they Googled was just broad and vast. They didn't know which forms to fill in first. And so they got in touch with Home for Good for guidance. And on uh, the Home for Good call, they spoke to a member of our team and we talked through everything, the small and the large, all of the practical advice. We started to pray for them. No question was ridiculous. And Rosie and Dave then took part in our Home for Good Foundations course, a six-week course for anybody interested in learning more about caring for children in the care system and young people through supported lodgings. And they shared this with us, which is a real encouragement uh, both to us and I hope to you. They, re they, they write, the course was absolutely brilliant. We had the chance to learn loads and it really prepared us for the training that we would take part in later on down the line. I think for many, the information shared during those training sessions with social workers can seem so new and foreign, we felt really grateful to be familiar with some of what they were already talking about. We felt in a better place to engage with the conversations and exercises, having already had some time to process the big themes and the topics that came up. The Foundations course also gave us an opportunity to explore fostering and adoption alongside others who shared the same heart, the same anxieties and the same excitement. 
To walk the journey alongside others was a very, very special thing. Now, throughout their assessment process, Home for Good were available to Rosie and Dave Monday to Friday with a, a, a Facebook page that we've got as well that people use seven days a week, 24 hours. And within that, there is understanding and encouragement, advice and prayer. And people become friends. We become friends on the journey. Rosie and Dave have since welcomed two little ones, creating a new family, just as we talked about earlier with Psalm 68, where God places the lonely in families. A new family was created. And now they've had the opportunity to connect into one of our peer-to-peer -peer support groups across the UK. Last year alone, Home for Good journeyed with 1,195 households. It's been an absolute privilege to have been able to walk with each one and each one so very different. We've received over 700 inquiries from individuals ready to explore what it would look like to open their home to a child in need. And we've referred nearly 200 people to their local authority or agency to begin their process. We've seen families approved, matches made, and children welcomed into loving and stable homes. Oh, we believe that this work is so close to the heart of God. And we do it for children like Jay. We spoke about Jay at the front. Jay is 17 now. And having loved those toy cars as a child, he's so excited to one day learn what it is to drive a real one. And he just needs some help now figuring out how to get his license and find someone who can help him learn. He's approaching adulthood and the prospect of living by himself once he ages out of the care system next year is terrifying. Imagine the difference it would make to Jay to have a family, to have a community, a tribe behind him in this season of life. Imagine if back at six years old, he'd be matched with a family who were able to meet his longer term needs to bring him stability and love and not just be a family available for a small season. Imagine what that would have looked like for Jay. Or imagine at 17, instead of beginning to prepare for adulthood alone, he was able to move in with a supported lodgings host who would teach him how to budget, how to cook, how to make the washing machine work, how to drive. Every teenager needs a tribe to belong to. Every teenager deserves to have people who put them at the centre and who advocate for them in employment, education or training to know that they are loved and to know if they went missing. And so many of our teenagers today, nobody knows if they go missing. We want to encourage us, the church, to have a heart with justice, to have a heart whereby we say we place God's mandate to care for the vulnerable as central to our gospel beliefs. And so I ask us again today, and I will ask every day for as long as I am advocating for children, what part can you play in this story? What part can you play to change the life of Jay? What part could you play in changing the future for a child? God bless you. I love how Tarn frames fostering and adoption. It's not rescue or pity, but rather a lived out understanding of our own story, our own testimony. He has placed us, the lonely, in a family. So when we offer others that same welcome, hospitality, demonstration of family, 
we do it in the light of the one we ourselves have first received. What would it be like for yours to be a family or a church, a community, a tribe that young people like Jake could be invited into? What part could you play? Next, we're going to be hearing from Helen Hodgson and her dog Rosie. Helen, along with her husband Jared, runs Hope at Home, which places survivors of modern day slavery in welcoming safe homes. Let's hear from Helen now. Hi there, my name is Helen and this is Rosie. And my husband and I founded Hope at Home in 2018. Hope at Home runs a national hosting scheme and our vision is to see safe homes for all survivors of modern slavery and human trafficking. But sadly, we have our work cut out for us. Let me give you some background. The number of people in slavery in the UK is estimated to be around 120,000 people. This includes men and women and children in car washes, construction sites, nail bars, domestic service, sexual exploitation and county lines. And last year, almost 17,000 people were able to leave the exploitation they were in. But unfortunately, that's not the end of the story for them. Survivors have a long road ahead of them, which includes unstable housing, lack of family or friends, limited or no income, sometimes the asylum process and dealing with their own mental health and trauma recovery. Many find themselves sofa surfing, street homeless or in unsuitable accommodation. And we know that traffickers target vulnerable people offering them work and a place to live, and then the cycle of exploitation just begins again. We don't believe that this is God's plan for people who have experienced such horrific exploitation. Jesus came to lift people out of unjust situations and see them finding hope and freedom and a positive future. At Hope at Home, we want to end this cycle of exploitation offering survivors a safe home to live in, which gives them a platform to begin to rebuild their lives. Once people have a roof over their heads, they can start to think about the next steps. Let me tell you about Kai. Kai arrived very scared with his hosts, but with big dreams to open his own restaurant. His hosts built relationship with him. They played Mario Kart. They went wild swimming and they helped him learning English. And he practiced his cooking on his hosts and their friends cooking delicious Vietnamese cuisine. Kai has now moved on and he's training to be a chef. Why should Christians be involved in this? Well, we believe that this is in our DNA and it's God's blueprint for the church. Amos 5 tells us that God isn't looking for fancy buildings and swish technology and atmospheric lighting during a worship set. He's looking for people who will get their hands dirty, people who will be the hands and feet of Jesus, loving those who are right on the edges of society. The call of the church is to be the body of Jesus here on earth. Jesus welcomed, loved, and offered safety and transformation to people. And that is now our job. Isaiah 58 tells us that one way to live this out 
is to share our homes and our food with those who need them. Hope at Home hosts are normal people, people like Mike and Val, who hosted Chloe. Chloe is a survivor of trafficking, but she's an ambitious young woman who just needed some stability to be able to take her next steps. Whilst being hosted, Chloe passed her GCSEs and she was awarded a scholarship to study law and criminology at university. Her dream is to become a barrister and she's well on her way. Mike and Val and our other hosts are living out being the hands and feet of Jesus. For us, setting up a hosting scheme was a no-brainer. We didn't need to come up with a master plan because God had already done that. We just needed to say yes. My husband and I have been hosts ourselves. We know it's not an easy ask, so we support our hosts well. We offer training around trauma, safeguarding, boundary setting, cultural differences and a ton of other useful stuff. We run regular host support groups too. We're always in touch with our hosts while they have a guest. We don't just drop a guest and run. So I want to invite you to seriously consider hosting with us. The group of people that we work with is one of the most marginalised, under-supported and least likely to receive an opportunity than any of the other people groups represented at Jubilee Plus. So if you really want to get your hands dirty, live out the radical compassion and love of Jesus and you've got a spare room, why wouldn't you get in touch with us? Head to our website at www.hopeathome.org.uk and register your interest in hosting and we'll help you take your hosting journey from there. Sometimes we can be blinded by the complexity of international events, of wars, trafficking, modern slavery. But Jesus shows us in his ministry that it comes down to the person standing in front of us. And you don't have to be the perfect host to take someone in. Last year, my family was suddenly faced with an opportunity to host a refugee. And that's something I had previously completely discounted us from, for all sorts of reasons, big and small. But hosting her has proved over the last 14 months to be a source of enormous blessing to each of us. These seminars are all about offering you and your church a variety of really creative and practical ways to engage with the issue of homelessness, which, as Kate Doran-Smith explains now, is so much more than houselessness. It's about inviting people into a place of belonging, something the church is uniquely placed to do. Hi everyone, my name is Kate Doran-Smith and I am the head of network for a charity called Hope Into Action UK. For those of you that don't know about Hope Into Action, we are a Christian charity that enables churches to house the homeless. What we do is we partner with churches like yourselves and we open homes which provide temporary supported accommodation for those that have been homeless or are vulnerably housed. And that can be anyone from um, an ex-offender leaving prison and having nowhere to go to a refugee fleeing a war-torn country um, to a small family unit who are fleeing domestic violence, to a rough sleeper on the street. You've probably walked past one or two on your way to work uh, every day. 
So I don't know how much you know about homelessness. I myself have never been homeless, but I can testify to perhaps understanding a tiny amount uh, of what the experience must feel like. Uh, I've recently moved house. I don't know if you've ever done the same thing. Uh, one of the top three stressful things you can do apparently, and I can certainly testify to that. But there was a small time, there was a small period where we had given up or surrendered about our accommodation and our new accommodation hadn't quite fallen into place. It hadn't been nailed. It still could go wrong. It still could not play out the way we wanted it to. What I felt in that period was unease, uh, stress, uh, discomfort, and it left me asking, okay, if this doesn't work out, what are my other options? Who would I go to? Where would I go to? And just in that small period of time, I was comforted by the fact that, that I do have people that I could go to in a time of trouble where I'd had no accommodation, nowhere to call home. They would temporarily put me up. But what if you're a person that doesn't have somewhere to go and someone to go to? What if you have a relational poverty as well as a physical poverty? And here at Hope Into Action, and I believe, you know, the, the Bible as well, we are spoken of in terms of being holistic to having a range of needs. And for the homeless, they have a physical poverty. They don't have the money, the resources, or the bricks and mortar to call a home. They have a relational poverty where they don't have anyone to go to for support and get them through this traumatic tragedy. And also they often have a poverty spiritually. They don't have that confirmation and comfort of knowing that they are loved by their Father Almighty, their Creator God, and things will be okay. I was thinking a little bit about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't know if you're familiar, but spiritual or self-actualization is at the top of the pyramid, at the bottom of the physical needs, the things that we need to survive, housing and safety being one of those. How can we get to a place of spiritual enlightenment or self-actualization without meeting those basic needs? I know you're familiar with James 2.16, you know, if, if one of you says, go and be warm, but does nothing about it. I'm sure other people will have cited that verse at this conference. You are churches that want to change commun communities. I know that you know this. We must do more to meet the physical needs, but also take that person on a journey, which is often tough, often invests a lot of time, is a long-term project, is more about evangelism and discipleship one-to-one -one, rather than big events with lots of people. When we see that as our outreach, when we see that as the very core of our Christian faith, the meaning of what it, when we are told to love God and love others, how do we love others in practical ways that aren't just handouts, that aren't just charity. 
that are more deeper and relational. We think at Hope Into Action, we've got a model that enables churches to do that. I was thinking about um, the, the story of Jesus's birth and what we're told about the innkeeper. Uh, you, you know, that there's never a nativity scene at a kid's school without the innkeeper. The innkeeper isn't actually mentioned in the Bible. The verse is around there was no room at the inn and we kind of assumed therefore that there was an innkeeper at almost like a hotel with no vacancies who shoved them in, in, the, in the barn outside. When I looked into it, actually, the Greek definition of the word inn is probably more like a home, a house. And the stable, the livestock, the animals were very valuable. So they would have been kept close to the family home, close to uh, the bedrooms, the living quarters. So what this innkeeper had actually said was, we have no space here, but you are welcome to have the space close by with the animals. Although he didn't have space to move them into his house, he had space in his heart to try and welcome them in. And I suppose my challenge to you, the challenge of hope into action to churches is does you, does your church have room in its heart for the needs of vulnerable people? Are you prepared to walk with them long term through all the highs and lows that that would bring in the hope that there will be real transformational change at the end of it? I believe that you have all the strengths and all uh, the resources needed to do that walk. And we can help you uh, in terms of boundaries and models and safeguarding to do it well, to do it professionally excellent, but also with huge spiritual passion. I think you're here because you know that churches isn't so much about having a small team to do missional outreach or evangelism or spreading the good news to the poor, that should be what the whole church is doing all the time. That's what we believe we're called to do by God. Are we doing enough for the needs of the homeless and the, those that need love and support? So in short, I'll say it again, do you have vacancies? Do you have room in your heart and in your church for those homeless people that are very much in need of love and support. What does that look like day to day? Well, it can be any number of things. So uh, Hoping to Action, when we partner with a church, we ask the church to provide what we call a friendship and support group. We looked at other words like mentors or uh, coaches, but we felt Nothing really ties up the biblical mandate to serve the poor better than the words friendship and support. Sometimes we refer to those church befrienders as friends with a purpose. The purpose being to get that person to a place where they can live independently without need for professional support workers. Hoping to action provide, uh, yes, uh, those difficult issues, the, the paperwork, the legals, the ASTs, the eviction notices, the gas safety certificates, that frees you up as a church to do what churches do best, to stand alongside, to pray, to be there, 
pass on life skills, how to debone a chicken, how to mow the lawn properly, to be a helping hand at a hospital appointment, to invite to church community events, because I'm sure you'll appreciate so many people need to feel like they belong before they can even get to a place where they consider whether they believe. Can you as a church open your doors and open your arms wide to welcome in some new people that may look, act, behave differently to you? I believe that God calls us to be one big family and isn't church best when the pews are filled with different people? Different genders, ages, ethnicities, backgrounds, class, political persuasion. Aren't we richer and better and more wholesome when we have that level of diversity and inclusion? Many times when I talk to churches and ask about how they show themselves to be inclusive or welcoming of others, they'll say things like, well, the front doors are unlocked. Anyone can come in at any point. But is that in today's society enough? Are we not called to be church in the ecclesia sense of the words, called ones to go out, sent out into the marketplace to preach God's good news of love and salvation? to do so in words and actions. And I suppose hope into action is just that, that faith that we have, that God loves all. How can we display that in action? Meeting the physical poverty, but also offering that relational source of poverty alleviation too. And you have all the skills in your congregation needed to be good friendship and support group members. You have two ears to listen. Hopefully you will have an open, non-judgmental heart. And one of the greatest pleasures of my role is hearing from over our 100 church partners across the UK how partnering with Hope Into Action has helped them in their faith personally, they pray in a way they never prayed. They have a greater understanding of what it means to have your heart broken for the poor. They hear stories and testimonies, and now they have real life people to think of when they read their Bibles that speaks about the prostitute or the convict or the poor wanderer in Isaiah 58. These are now tangible people in their lives and in their hearts that they care about like their own family. We hear of churches that have changed the way they do church to be more inclusive, whether that's being more trauma-informed, whether that's considering words of terminology that we use so often in Christian vernacular, but to somebody who is unchurched, wouldn't have an ounce of understanding as to what we're talking about. It's challenged churches to be more relational and outward looking. And that makes my heart sing. I've been here at Hope Into Action over a decade now, and I'm still as excited about the thought of challenging churches to change and progress and grow as I was when I went for the job originally. 
So our model is quite simple. We partner with churches. They provide the friendship and support group. Between us, we um, source a property that becomes a home, whether that's through private investors, whether that's through church members clumping together to invest in a property, whether that's church re releasing assets or property that they have, such as a manse that's no longer needed. There are different ways to source a property and hoping to action are challenging churches to share your wealth with the poor rather than keeping it stored up in a barn slash bank slash ISA slash high interest account and sharing your wealth with the rich. Just walked past this at a local hotel, just one closing thought, let your church never had the no vacancy sign up. May your church always be a place that would welcome the poor wanderer and may your heart always have space to give friendship and love to somebody who very much needs it. We'd love to hear from you at Hoping to Action and together perhaps we can meet the need of immediate housing provision, but more importantly, the long-term community that church can give those who very much need it. Amen. I love Kate's question. Do you have vacancy, space in your church or your heart? Is there space for homeless people on your Sundays or in your midweek programmes? We all want to build truly diverse churches and know that our churches are richer for the presence of people with different backgrounds and different life stories among us. Perhaps you have resources you're sitting on that could be shared with those living in poverty. Some of you might have financial resources, inheritance or savings which you can't give, but you could invest. Instead of sitting in a high yield account, perhaps they could be giving someone a roof over their head. But as Kate explains, the roof actually isn't quite enough. To really support people, the whole body of Christ is needed, which is why Hoping to Action gathers people able to give of their time, energy and skills to help people settle and thrive. So what's it like for people to engage with an access support like this? Don't miss this final short story of life transformation. Let's hear from Claire, who's not only benefited from practical support with the help of Green Pastures and Emmanuel Church Brighton, but who has become an agent of change in her own community. Hi, Claire. Hi, Rob. Hi. So can you tell me a little bit about... Uh coming to live in the house in Hove, the Green Pastures house, and what that's meant to you and your family. Okay, so we moved into the Green Pastures house after living in council temporary accommodation. We had moved every three years for the whole of my life. I can't remember ever living anywhere for longer than three years. Um, moving in there gave us stability. It happened at the most precious time because my daughter's about to start her GCSEs. And if we didn't move there, we potentially would have moved maybe Eastbourne or somewhere that would have given her such a big distance to travel to. Uh, we moved there. Life was a little bit difficult. I was struggling. I'd been battling my mental health for a long time. And I just felt that we never, never staying somewhere for long enough meant that you never connected in with the right services. So moving into Boundary Road meant that we had a long-term permanent address, which meant we had access to so many more services. And through the church, we got access to counselling. And I think that's where my life really started to change. Having that period of time, counselling somebody to listen to, somebody to believe in me, somebody to reassure me that everything was going to be okay. 
and we worked through a lot of things and that gave me the opportunity to further my faith quite a lot. Fantastic. So Claire, you've got more and more involved with the, the church. Uh, what, what are you doing now? I'm now helping at the church three days a week with the food banks. I help with Alpha and I help with the supported housing. That's fantastic. And how has your sort of walk with God progressed over, over time? My walk with God hasn't always been an easy one. I struggled with a few different things. Forgiveness was something that I think I really struggled with. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I had sorted it out and it just wasn't. And it was the one thing that was holding me back and it was an alpha. And I just thought I've really got to get to the bottom of this. I don't want it to own me and take over my life. So I prayed quite a lot about it and it was a Sunday service and it was all about forgiveness. And it was that day that I thought, do you know what, I can forgive. And I know from that day was the day that I actually became a Christian because I learned to forgive and move forward. And it really changed, that day just really changed my life. Wow, fantastic. That's wonderful. And you are now helping others uh, who are coming into our housing. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's really important to, to give back and to help other people that have been through similar things to you because you understand those people and you can listen to them and you can see different solutions to problems and everybody needs to know that, that we can't fix anything on our own. Without God, we can't fix anything. So if we can lead people closer to Jesus, then we can fix, then they can fix the problems yes. that they have in their lives because ultimately it's only Jesus that fixes and heals the broken people. It isn't anything we do. Brilliant. Thanks so much to Tom Bright, to Helen Hodgson and Kate Doran-Smith, to Rob Lydiard and to Claire, of course, for sharing that wonderful wisdom with us today. And thanks to Rachel Wilson for hosting. Thanks so much to you for joining us on the Jubilee Plus podcast and we'll see you here next time. Amen.